and welcome to Authorised. Back for 2022, my name's Kevin Hillier and we start uh, the new year with uh, one of the biggest selling uh, crime writing authors uh, in the world. We'll get to him in just a moment, a reminder about our podcast partners. What a way to start your new year. Uh, get your finances sorted. Uh, it sounds like a very sensible thing to do. Something a lot of us put off, something a lot of us are intimidated by, but certainly if you deal with the people that uh, that I'm going to tell you about, you'll have none of that anxiety. You'll uh, you'll walk and you'll talk to people that uh, you can trust, people that you can get to know very easily and people who know what they're talking about. Those people, CSCG. Uh, jump on the website, have a look at uh, all their services, what they have to offer, the people you'll be dealing with, uh, some of the people they've dealt with in the past and what they've had to say about them, cscg.com.au or give them a call. Yes, the old phone is uh, still in operation and uh, still able to be used, so give them a call on double nine seven four eight triple three. You won't regret it and you'll get your finances sorted and uh, happy days after that. Now, our guest this week is international best-selling author Michael Connolly. Now, Michael's uh, latest book is called The Dark Hours. It's his 36th book, so he's uh, he's no uh, new kid on the block here. And, of course, uh, one of the major characters in uh, in 23 of his 36 books is Harry Bosch, which has been turned into an, an absolutely excellent television series starring Titus Welliver, uh, which you may have seen. He's, uh, in the last couple of books, been introducing a new character, and we'll talk to him about Renee Ballard, who is in this book, The Dark Hours, as is Harry Bosch, talk about uh, how he goes about writing his books, also talk about uh, these two characters. L.A. is a, is a great backdrop for the books that he's written over the years, um, about books becoming TV series and how he felt about that, how he works with uh, uh, the nuances of uh, being now a, a Hollywood author. Uh, and uh, and we'll also talk to him about what's coming up. So uh, a very good chat coming up with a man who sold more than 80 million copies of his books worldwide. That is a phenomenal figure. He's a phenomenal author. I'm sure you're going to enjoy my chat with Michael Connolly. He certainly was looking forward to it. I'm glad to do it. I'm glad for your interest so far away from L.A. Yeah, it's, uh, always uh, really amazing. It must, I was going to say it must be quite uh, surreal in many in many respects to to know as you sit there in Los Angeles that someone in Melbourne, Australia, and someone in you know Surrey in England, and someone in uh, South Africa are picking your books up and reading. It must be quite surreal. It is, um, and I have to say I was kind of naive to it when I you know first started wanting to be a writer and, and was writing my book. But then, um, you know, I've had a lot of good fortune that I've been able to keep writing. And it's just, it's just amazing. Surreal is, is one way to describe it. It's also very fulfilling. And it's, it's humbling because it shows the power of storytelling and the power of character. You know, that vast oceans don't really uh, stop, um, you know, a good story from going around the world or a good character. And Michael, having seen a, a few interviews that you've done in, in preparation to, to chatting to you, I also get that impression that you've never kind of lost that feel of uh, when you sat down to do your first book that, that maybe only your wife and maybe two or three other people might ever read your stuff, that you still have that kind of mindset in the back of your head? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, I, I have a, probably way more confidence now, but, um, you know, and I also know that um, the rug's not going to get pulled out from beneath me. But still, I it's I don't know where it comes from. It's some kind of work ethic where I don't want to uh, mail it in. Um, I don't want to have bad reviews. Um, I think that would be hard to live with. So, so the bar keeps getting raised, and um, hopefully, I'm up to the task each year. But it's really a you know you keep your head down and you first have to write for yourself, and then 
believe that you're an every man or an every woman as a writer that, you know, other, there's other people, if you like it, there's other people out there that are going to like it. And so you kind of start there and you keep your head down and that's where that kind of, uh, those questions come up. Will, will this thing work out? You talk about the, the power of storytelling and the power of great characters. So you certainly, uh, you know, come up with, with a beauty in Harry Bosch. I mean, that's a, that's a character that has great longevity, has had great longevity for you and is now entering a really interesting part of uh, the development between you and him. Yeah, I mean, talk about surreal. It's, it's hard to believe that the first Harry Bosch book came out 30 years ago next month. Yeah, and to to think that I'm still writing about them and still enjoying writing about them because I've dropped characters over the years if I feel I've said all I want to say about them. But for some reason, I can keep digging into Harry, and I love doing it. And I don't know, I can't really explain why that's not going away. Um, why you know he sticks with me, but I think about him as a character a lot when I'm not writing about him, and, and love you know every minute I get to write about him. Uh, an interesting uh, observation I, I saw in one interview where you you don't see Titus Welliver's face when you uh, when you write Harry, but you hear his voice, which is kind of interesting because he does the audio audio books. Exactly, um, it is weird. I'm I, I write the way I read. I like to create in my head when I'm reading a good book that I'm plugged into. I like to create the characters. You know, I don't ascribe them to movie stars or people in my life or anything like that. I like to just build it. And so that's the way I write. And, you know, so I, over the years, I've hardly put many descriptions of Harry Bosch in all these books. I've been writing about him for 30 years and probably adds up to maybe two or three pages of description. Because I, I feel, the, you know, the reader, I trust the reader to build him as well. And so I was 20 years into Harry Bosch and, and the image I had in my head when Titus came along to play the part. And I think he plays it beautifully. Uh, he totally has this character down. But I'm, I'm stuck with the image in my head. Uh, but as you said, I, you know, he does read the audio of the book. I listen to those. And uh, I hear that voice now when I'm, when I'm writing uh, Harry Bosch stuff. Is that a trap for young writers not to have uh, to to not have someone's face uh, attached to their characters? So, you know, I, I'm writing this character, and I think he's great, and he, he, he he's a Steve Buscemi type character, and then to be writing as if it's Steve Buscemi is that a trap that uh, some writers fall into that that you have never done? It may be because I mean, and I only say that from anecdotal experience. I've heard people talk, uh, you know, uh, especially in my early days as a writer, and I would go to conventions and talk to other writers. I, I know some writers are doing it that way, and, you know, there's all different ways to write a book um, and all different ways of getting inspired and so forth. And to me, that's, you're, you're getting into the core. I mean, you know, it takes me about 10, 11 months to write a book, and I have to stay plugged in in some way, and part of that way is visualizing not only the scenes and everything, but obviously the characters. And I, I find that the fun part, and I like that I got the copyright on that. I, I built the way this guy looked. I didn't grab him. I didn't say Harrison Ford or Steve McQueen or anything like that. Yeah. Just, you know, this, that could have influenced me, but it's, but it's, but I have uh, someone, um, you know, pretty singular in, in my head. Which makes the the character of Renee Ballard really interesting because that is actually based only on one person, whereas Harry Bosch has been kind of a composite of a, a number of people that you've you've come across in your time. Yeah, it's, it is very weird change in my life. I wish it had been the other way around. 
is, uh, you know, Harry Potter took a lot of years of reading, watching, uh, listening. You know, the inspiration, as you say, came from many, many directions and many people, um, some fictional and some real. And then, uh, you know, it's like you, all that goes into your blender, your mind, and out for uh, a smoothie that hopefully tastes is unique, you know? Yeah. And that's where Harry Bosch came from. And then, you know, 25 years into my career, I knew uh, a detective who just inspired me with her story and her life. And, and so, yeah, that Ballard is a single source inspiration. And, and that's been a refreshing change from uh, the way I, I drew Harry Bosch. Is is the hardest time for you when you when you send uh, send your book uh, to to a Mitzi Robertson? Say, have a read of this and tell me if I got the language right, if I got the the way you'd react right. Is that is that is that the kind of feedback that you're looking from her when you when you when you work with her in developing Renee Ballard? Exactly, and um, I don't. I, it's not a difficult, or I don't have a lot of trepidation about it. I know it's going to get better with her feedback. Yeah. You know, I have enough confidence in myself in constructing stories and in the framework of stories and, and you know, capturing Los Angeles and, and the things that she's not really going to help me with. Um, and so I'm very happy to send her stuff and have it come back with her saying, this works, but whether it'd be better if you did this or in this situation, I would have done this or I would have said this. And, you know, all that, that's gold. You know, to get someone who actually does what your fictional character does to tell you what you got right, what you got wrong, what you could be better. And that every writer would want to have something like that. So I, I engage with her in in a total uh, positive way, and almost can't wait. To, sometimes it takes two weeks to read my book, and I'm, every day I'm hoping it will come in. I'll get her <laughs> feedback. So I, Get back to work with it. Is there is there kind of little personal kind of little uh, punching the air moments when you go, "Yes, I got that right. Yes, I'm pleased." Yeah, I have to admit to that. Yeah, um, I you know I've written a lot of these books. Uh, I've known a lot of detectives, and so uh, every now and then I surprise her with um, you know uh, Ballard will make a move that I think she would make in the situation, and she says that's perfect. You know that that's always a, that's a real boost to the ego. Yeah. The uh, the societal uh, dynamics of uh, male female relationships in the thirty years, even with inside of you know an LA cop shop, w- would have changed dramatically since you wrote the first book. Yeah, I mean, definitely the department, uh, but it still moves like an aircraft carrier very slowly. So yeah. to me, it's behind in uh, societal issues, and and you know that's disappointing in real life, but in fiction, that becomes an obstacle that Ballard has to work around. And, you know, that's how she connects to readers, how she deals with the obstacles thrown in front of her from, you know, having a boss who might be a misogynist to having to solve a murder. Um, you want to have uh, uh, some kind of obstacle on almost every page of the book. Um, and, you know, your character wants to want something on every page of the book. And uh, so, you know, w- what's good in fiction is that you can take these issues, these problems, uh, bureaucracy, all these things that are inside a police department, and turn them to your favor in terms of uh, delineating your character and how she goes about um, moving through that that uh, you know uh, agency. Yeah, 
Harry Bosch has been with you for 23 of your 36 books and the, the relationship, obviously, as we mentioned earlier in this interview, is changing a little. Uh, Renee Ballard's allowing you to keep Harry going for a, a, a little longer than you than you thought or, or how's, that, how's that kind of developing? Because I know you obviously would now be working on the next book. You know, I, I write in real time. You know, my characters evolve. You know, Harry's feet are set in being born in 1950. I got very lucky with him, and, and here I am 30 years later still writing about him. Yeah. Never thought that would happen. And, and so what the challenge I have is making it believable that a guy who's 70 years old is you know out there uh, still on a mission. And by bringing in Ballard, who is younger, has a badge, and has more physicality and more health and all the things that uh, start to go away when you get older, it's lengthening his, his life on the page. I, I don't know if I could do a Harry Bosch only story that is realistic if, if he didn't have you know some help from some characters like Lene. And in some cases, it's Mickey Holland as well. So a lot of what I'm doing is keeping my favorite character going. And uh, and I think it's, you know, the Ballard-Bosch connection or a partnership, whatever you want to call it, is, uh, is, is succeeding in that at the moment. And, you know, that's why I've gone right back into another uh, story that book I'm writing now is almost a direct sequel to The Dark Hours. Yeah. And it's going to be uh, and Bosch, probably more Bosch than um, was in the last book. Um, I, I didn't know there was a name for that thing that uh, happens in uh, in a lot of American cities where at midnight on uh, on New Year's Eve that they spray bullets all over the joint up into the air. I didn't know it actually had a name called Rain of Lead. I knew I was aware of the practice, but I wasn't aware that it had an actual umbrella title. Yeah, I mean, also a lot of people call it the gunshot, uh, what is it, gunshot symphony. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate distinction, but, you know, that this is a tradition in Los Angeles. It's funny, since the book has come out and I've done a bit of traveling around the country, unfortunately, other people in other cities say, yeah, that happens here too. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's kind of a ridiculously risky thing to do, but, uh, but it's what happens. Yeah. Um, how important is Los Angeles? And tell me about your Los Angeles as opposed to the, uh, you know, the the author Los Angeles. Um, I think it's important just because, um, you know, it's a way, it's a delivery system for your character. To me, it's all about a reader connecting with a character, but how a character interacts with their location, their history in that location is really a key thing. Um, and, you know, Los Angeles is like a big, vast place. It's many, many different neighborhoods and zones and so forth, and, and they're all unique in some way. And, you know, I, I feel like I have a hand, you know, I, I, I started way ahead of anybody else because I, I can draw on Los Angeles opposed to almost any other city in this country. And, um, and it's really helped me, um, but, you know, you, you want your characters to have a, a you know, a love-hate relationship. They love the city for what it could be, but, but it never really lives up to it. There's always something goes wrong, and maybe it's nature, or maybe it's a social thing. And, you know, that, that it's a symbiotic relationship, and I think that is a way to, uh, you know, many of the people who read this book, uh, your listeners, probably have not been to Los Angeles, but I think they can connect to Harry and Ballard, because uh, some things are the same wherever you are, and one is trying to understand your place um, and what your connection is to it. 
Yeah, and I think the fact that the the, the characters are are flawed and the city is flawed, so they kind of they, you're right. There's a there's a symbolic relationship there that that works really beautifully. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it doesn't really it's not really around anymore. But they used to have these merry-go-round rides where you went around. There'd be this like uh, machine thing that had a brass ring, and you reach out and try to grab it. They probably don't allow that anymore for safety reasons. <laughs> but in my mind, that's how I look at. Um, LA, um, it's got so much going for it, ocean and mountains and beauty and desert, all these things. It's got it all, but it never quite can reach the brass ring. Um, it always misses. Uh, it always comes up short. And, uh, you know, there's, 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 as you say, it's a flawed city. There's kind of a romance about that. Yeah. Uh, the ne'er-do-well city that, um, where Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard work and, and try to do their best. There's also a kind of a romance uh, when uh, a character from your book uh, and its stories from your books get taken and, and become uh, either television series or, or movies or whatever. Was that something that you, you got chuffed about or was that something that you were wary of when, when that sort of process started? Well, it's been, I've been in and out of Hollywood for 30 years and I'm having um, some pretty good success now, but it's a long time coming. But I'm glad it was because I learned a lot. And, um, you know, a lot of times you hand your book off to uh, the studio or somebody, a producer, and they kind of pat you on the head and say, um, run along now, go write another book and we'll take care of this. And, you know, over time, I got more leverage with Hollywood. and, And so I finally reached the point where, uh, I wouldn't let them pat me on the head and send me off. I was going to come with my book and I was going to watch over the characters and so forth. And, and that's what happened with, with Bosch. And, and, and so that's a great story for me, from my point of view, how that worked out and what we were able to make from it. So I'm very proud of that. But, you know, that, that's one good story. I've had a lot of uh, stories that didn't work out so well along the way. Are you very protective of Harry Bosch as the, the character is how he's portrayed on the screen? that it, it it legitimizes what you've got in the book as the character as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the key thing is not just me looking out for the character, but, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I had some leverage. I was 20 years into the, into the dealings in Hollywood. Um, I was selling books that were now bestsellers that I could either take it or leave it out to um, towards Hollywood. And, um, you know, so I was able to surround myself with people that, cherished Harry Bosch and wanted to guard Harry Bosch as well as I did. And that, that was the big secret. That was the key to, to all the success. It wasn't people wanting to take it in a new direction or change the character. They loved the character and said, let's bring that character to the screen. And it, I mean, it's, it's way, I mean, the actor who plays Titus Well is fantastic, but it's way more than um, just the actors, writers, it's producers. Yeah. It's people who look for locations. It's, you know, it's, it's everything. Yeah. And I just got lucky in terms of who surrounded me. What about Renee? When, when this happens to Renee's character, what you, Renee Ballard, what are you going to do there or what, what, what are your plans for that? I like your positivity. You said when it will happen. Um, uh, that, <laughs> that's good. I hope it does happen. Um, you know, I would hope it would be with the studio that makes Bosch so we could continue this interaction because, you know, uh, it, it, once, once you get into the levels of Hollywood, there's no, you know, like uh, Netflix has my book, The Lincoln Lawyer, and Amazon has my Bosch books. Well, those, those two guys will never meet in the 
smooth. Yeah. Those studios work together. And so I'm hoping that I can work out something. And I think the next book is going to be um, a story that would be working well for television and to bring Ballard into the, the Bosch story. But we'll have to see. But, uh, like I said, I don't, uh, admire your positive. <laughs> have you? Oh, it's, it's a great character. I mean, it's a terrific character. And you've got another a, a, a Bosch uh, spin-off going as well, or coming soon? Yeah, we uh, we finished filming the first season of a show called Bosch Legacy, and that simply follows the book story. Um, you know, about ten ten years ago, I don't know how many Bosch books that is. I had him quit uh, the LAPD. And he's been out on his own, uh, semi-private detective. And that's what the new show is about. It's, it's called Boss Legacy. So it's about Harry without a bag and without a lot of lines for him to, to hold him back. Uh, it's a bit about Boss Unbound. And then also, um, we really, uh, elevated two other characters to, to full stories that we kind of twist around. Uh, the Bosch story, and uh, that's his daughter Maddie, who's now a rookie yep. police officer, and then um, the lawyer uh, Money Chandler, played by Amy Rogers. And so they get involved with each other, but they are, but it's really um, you know three storylines that are uh, intermingled. There's a there's a joy obviously for you in in writing and creating these characters and creating these stories and there's a, there's a joy still in picking up the book forget the television in picking up the book and having that that play out in your head as you as you read your books and you do that beautifully uh, for for those people who still love to pick up a book and read a book uh, before the television or the movie comes out. Well, that's my priority. I mean, it's it, the Hollywood has, has been fun for the last ten years. You know, I, I do a podcast every now and then. I have a lot of things. I, I try to speak, stay busy. But at the end of the day, I'm a book writer, um, and that's where my heart is, and that, that's where I'm at every morning. Uh, I'm writing a book every morning. And then when I accomplish, uh, when I move the story at least one beat further, that's when I can put that aside and engage in some of these other things. But, but yeah, um, it's, a, it's the basis of all this stuff is the books, and, and I'm sticking with that. There's not a lot of hair and makeup and, uh, and you know, uh, take twos at five o'clock in the morning sitting in front of your keyboard coming up with the next paragraph. Yeah, but you can still stay in your, uh, in your pajamas. <laughs> it's, it's nice Every job has its perks, Michael. You've got to have them. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on, uh, on a fabulous uh, body of work and plenty more to come. We look forward to reading it. Thank you very much. Michael Connolly is the author. The Dark Hours is the name of his latest book, but uh, there's uh, plenty of others there for you to have a look at and have a read of, uh, and all featuring, of course, the uh, the fabulous character that he's created in Harry Bosch and the new one that he's developing beautifully in uh, Renee Ballard. The Dark Hours out now uh, through Alan and Unwin. Uh, and CSCG, the people who can help you sort your finances out. If you want to start the new year off by getting yourself organised financially, they're the people to talk to. Give them a call. Double nine seven four eight triple three or jump on the website cscg.com.au now where you found this podcast uh, even though it's the first one for 2022 we've been going for a while now so there's plenty of authors to check out in our back episodes of the uh, authorized podcast hope you'll uh, take the opportunity to do that maybe over the holiday period or before you get back to work or school or whatever i uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this chat with michael connolly we have plenty more coming on the authorized podcast thanks to cscg my name's kevin hillier take care of yourself